Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It's available from Chaosium. I am the Keeper of the Secrets, and this is Episode 8. Our recap will be given by Josh Harwood as his character, Dr. Dorian Dabrowski. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Josh. Thanks, Tom. Uh, to uh, my dear friend, uh, Professor James Hopewell. Uh, uh, just to give you a quick update, I, uh, Scotland was a very interesting... Uh, why, why was I put with those young kids again? They don't know anything. Um, we uh, managed to find the artifact. Uh, artifact um, I sent, got it sent back, hopefully. By the time you receive this... It is returned, and you can uh, either get it put on display or keep it in uh, our special, uh, our special storage. Do whatever you want with it. Anyway, I just thought I'd give you an update on everything. Uh, so we uh, made it. Uh, we found our way to an estate uh, run uh, owned by Dr. Lorien. Um, and yes, yeah, so it was beautiful. It was a lot smaller than the original place that stood before, and um, there were roses all over the place. It was it was very beautiful. Um, and we got to work. But we said, uh, and he wanted to help us. So uh, I set to work. I wanted to make sure to get everything sorted. I made strategic holes to see and try and get the stability of the basement. Uh, it wasn't really necessary with Dr. Lorien, even though I didn't really want him out there because he's a civilian. <laughs> but he managed to find uh, the stairs, which were in pretty good condition. Uh, we managed to go down with the help of uh, uh, Teddy Fursby. He good. Good man, good student. I may have to uh, give him some extra credit. Uh, and uh, uh, Gunther, he's good with his good with a spade, that magician. Who would have known? Usually con men. This one's a good one. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we managed to uh, get down. Uh, Doctor Kurz, uh, Doctor York, and Doctor Naruda stayed uh, behind us, uh, and they were helpful in their own ways. Uh, we managed to get down into the basement. Uh, it was in pretty good condition. There were roots coming out and stuff like that. Uh, so everyone continued. Uh, we found uh, cells. It seemed like some horrific things were happening down there. We made sure uh, Lorian's wife and child were not in, did not come down. We told Lorian to stay up there as well. Um, and York, out of some reason, wanted me to break down the door. Uh, to one of the cells so he could get a look at one of the corpses, which from my perspective, it was a corpse that had been done there for years. There was no point in looking at it, but uh, if the doctor wanted that, the doctor wanted it. So I did it just to shut him up. Um, we uh, then continued further in and it got dark, very dark, but there was a small light when we got in. It was a, a glow, a horrific glow. And we got further in, and when a picture was taken, 
by uh, Naruto, I think. Uh, every everywhere there was skeletons coming out of every. It did not bother me too much. I'm used to it, considering our digs. We've seen a lot worse, but for everyone else, it must have been shocking. I couldn't imagine, and in the process. I found, well, we found, should I say. I need to start thinking that I'm a team. It's not just me. I need to make, you, you know what I'm like. Uh, we found an arm, uh, which is part of the simulacrum. Uh, and it was weird. It had this weird texture, part of its design almost. Uh, me and Teddy were taken in by it. And it seemed to be my my arm. It was it was weird. Maybe Teddy saw his arm too. I, I don't know how it worked, but it wasn't anything supernatural. No, it's nothing like that. That would be ridiculous. I think it was just made like that in design, I assume. I want to look into it further, and I even told the others that only me and Teddy can look at it, but it comes back to that idea. I need to make sure that it's we look at it. We are a team. I need to get that into my head. I need to make sure... Did I bring them in on everything? I can't keep keeping them out of the loop. It's something that you told me I needed to work on, and that's what I am going to do. And hopefully Teddy will keep me in uh, in line and we can get through this and work as a team with the others. Uh, and we are back on the train and heading on to our next destination. Um, well, we will be anyway. So it's been an interesting journey. We've got a piece. We find more where we... We have a lead on a scroll. Hopefully that will work out. Uh, I hope Diana is good, James, and hopefully uh, we will see each other soon. Uh, I will keep you in keep you in the loop uh, from your different uh, Dorian. Cool. So before you leave Poissy. Um, I assume you call ahead, you uh, get the hotel, uh, you, you, you get tickets for the Orient Express. Uh, there's not much choice. You're all going to get uh, you know, rooms with uh, other occupants for six of you, so that's fine. Um, you have them transfer your existing luggage from your hotel to the train, and you guys hop in your car and you get there as quickly as possible. Um, Dorian, where are you carrying the uh, the arm? Where is the arm? I have it uh, secure in a duffel bag. I'm pretty sure wrapped up in a so a duffel bag that we agree. So you're carrying that directly. Yes, sir. So uh, an hour and a half or so, you you arrive. It was a little difficult to get in there. But the train is loading and, uh, you know, you've got maybe 15 minutes before it's due to leave. Mm. Uh, uh, there's not, it, it's, it's late evening. This is, it's not that late, but it's, um, let's see, your train leaves at 10.53 p.m. from the train station. Uh, and it's going to take about 14 hours to get to Lausanne. Uh, as you are going up to load, uh, there is a, uh, a steward, I don't know if you call him 
steward, a conductor, uh, dressed all in blue with his little blue hat. And he, uh, he says, yes, um, can I have your last names? Uh, uh, I'm Block. Uh, Miss, Monsieur Block, uh, you are all, I believe you're all together, yes? You're all yes, on, the, yes. on the Claudette car. Uh, Mr. Bloch, you are in room nine. Room nine. Thank you. Um, Theodore Thursby third. Thursby, uh, you are in room 10. Thank you. But it looks like you're all together. I can just read this. Uh, Dr. Kurz, uh, you're in room 10. Uh, Dr. Edison, you are in room nine. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Dabrowski, you are in eight. And Dr. Neruda, you are in eight. So on uh, you uh, you can uh, you can board anytime now. We will be leaving in about 15 minutes. Now, as this is going on, you notice quite a commotion coming from a little farther down at the other end of your uh, of your Claudette car. Um there's flashes of light. You think it's uh, people, and, and there's sort of a sputtering sound, which is the sound of a camera going off. And there's a bit of a crowd. Um, a band seems to start up from somewhere uh, to play off the, the train. And uh, a, a young woman steps up onto the stairs going in. She's got a long white uh, fur coat and uh, she's got black hair. And you can all do spot hidden as she uh, turns to wave to the crowd. Missed by one. Uh, a 29 is a hard success. Okay. Regular for me. Okay. So some of you don't really recognize her, but uh, Dr. Neruda, uh, his eyes suddenly light up as you realize that it is Katarina Cavallaro, the opera diva. And she's like, Yes, darlings, I shall see you all in Milan. As she turns and gets on the train, she's got a little bit of an entourage going on with her. Hmm. Well, we will be sharing a train with with the with the great the Carolina. Oh, is that who? Carolina. I was wondering why the band was kicking up. I'm so, I am so tongue-tied in my my, uh, <laughs> my excitement. Almost, this is a mm, well. We'll have to uh, maybe uh, try and bump into her for you. Yeah, this journey got a little more interesting. Well, I can't imagine it would be that uh, that difficult. Uh, it, <laughs> there's only so much train, but I, I would hate I would hate to bother her. I would hate to bother her. I'm I'm sure you'd be no bother. I, you probably have good conversations. You should yes. see if you can take the opportunity. When would you get the opportunity next? Take it while you can. Right. So as, as you get on the, the train, you realize that uh, she is actually staying in the same car that you are. She okay. and her, looks like a gentleman is with her. They're in two and three. Uh, down at the other end next to the lounge. Uh, Works out. We are in the same car. <laughs> you uh, 
you get to your rooms, you uh, find that your stuff has already arrived, plus the stuff that you're carrying with you. And uh, you settle in just a bit to make sure everything is there. You're probably tired and hot mm-hmm. uh, from driving. Bruce are you a top bunk man or a bottom bunk man? Oh, I can sleep anywhere. I'm fine. What you you pick your choice, Doctor. Uh, I think then I will. Uh, I think I will prefer to be higher up for the swaying of the car. No, certainly, it's my pleasure. Oh, good. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, the things that have been loaded. I, so some things have been put in our room, like a large suitcase. Other things were yeah, carrying. Whatever was in the hotel is in your room. Except so for you, trunks, which are going to be in the large storage. Um, unless you have a, a clothing trunk. Sometimes you have a, you know, you store clothes in your in a trunk. That would be at the kind of underneath the bottom bunk. But yeah, you also have some little shelves up above. They're, they're soft shelves uh, where you can put like duffel bags and things like that. But yes, the rest of it will be in the foregone. Well, I'm going to freshen up because uh, I was planning to have a uh, nightcap before I, I settle in on the bottom bunk. Splendid. Oh, look, and we share a fresher with somebody. I wonder who's on the other side of this. Yes, uh, four of you are sharing one bathroom and the other two are sharing it with a couple of other gentlemen. That's right. Thursby, I'm in here. Don't don't be opening the door while. I'm oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. You're a nine. Who's in there with you? Oh, was that? Uh, oh, York. Gun- Gunther and I are sharing a room. Oh, my pleasure. Maybe we'll meet out later in the in the lounge uh, for a cocktail or something after we freshen up. Indeed. The, um, we shall see the, to it. The locks on the bathroom are very cleverly designed so that when you lock the lock, the one opposite automatically locks as well so that somebody on the other side can't suddenly accidentally come walking into the bathroom while you're in there. <clears throat> you very shortly hear um, uh, what, the voice of Katharina down the hallway saying, oh, darlings, I'm a little too excited to sleep right now. Right, let's go to the lounge and, and uh, enjoy ourselves for a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely headed to the lounge then. Then after hearing that, and as I uh, start going out, I'll knock on uh, knock on Naruto's door. Uh, uh, yes. Come on, good man. Let's go. Let's go get a uh, a beverage to ease our nerves. Hmm, that's uh, after what uh, what we found in our the house. I think some wine will do me some good. That it will. And so shortly. You all end up in the lounge. And uh, uh, at first, Katarina is there with, uh, looks like some friends and, uh, and this, uh, this gentleman that's with her. Um, and then um, the party sort of gets started. She's very dynamic, very friendly, very, she uh, chit chats and flirts with most of the men that are in the room. And uh, what would you guys like to do? Oh, go to the bartender and uh, ask for, uh, make me your specialty, please. Yes, sir. An Orient Express. <laughs> oh, 
make, make that two, I would also like a special. I will just have a sweet yes, vermouth. It's six okay. shots all tied together by string. Yeah. <laughs> uh, York, Edison will saddle up uh, next to uh, Gabriel and, uh, and order a pint and then uh, kind of prod Gabriel and say, you know, you should buy her a drink. Oh, a point, a point to my wedding ring, and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's just as a fan with with showing your appreciation. It's just when will you have an opportunity like this to say hello and and uh, compliment her for her for her talents by by giving her a drink. I'll, I'll leave it to the uh, to the younger and more unattached men to buy her drinks, but I think I will pay her a compliment uh, if she's uh, walking by. I'll. Well, it's it's the the lounge car isn't huge, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know it's it's fairly intimate. So you, people so are all within talking distance practically. I'll uh, straighten up my tie a little bit and say, "This uh, Cavallaro." Ah, yes. And to who am I speaking to? Uh, I am uh, Dr. Gabriel Neruda. I was, uh, oh, doctor. <laughs> not, not the medical kind, but uh, on, uh, here doing some, some business in Europe, and I was so disappointed that the, uh, the opera season has not yet begun uh, in the opera oh, house. Oh, but it, in, it begins in very soon. It begins very soon. Uh, uh, I will be performing uh, the opera Aida, uh, by Giuseppe Verdi uh, as the opening season in Milan at uh, the Teatro alla Strada, alla, alla Scala, sorry. Oh, that sounds magnificent. Have you been? I, you, you're, hmm? Have you been? Have you been to the, uh, the uh, La Scala? Operas? No, no. Uh, it's... Oh, you must come. Oh, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely uh, stop by. What, what nights are you performing? Well, it, uh, the season starts next week. We have to do a few rehearsals first. Of but, course. Uh, uh, it's not like I don't already know the opera, but one has to get into fine form. One wants to be at the peak of one's uh, abilities um, and in order to... Make sure that nobody breaks the legend, the uh, the uh, the magical wish legend of uh, La Scala. Oh. You know, you know it. No. Oh, on I... Opening on opening night, if you in the audience can sing as brilliantly as the soprano singing the first aria, which in this case is a ritorno vincitore, uh, if you can sing better than her, and everybody tries. You will be granted your wish. It is a magical place. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, with you, uh, with you there, I'm sure no one will have their wish fulfilled. <laughs> I will get you tickets so that you will have very good seats near the front. Oh, uh, and are you? Are you? I, I'm sorry. Are you? Even, are you staying in Milan? Well, we we. It is one of our destinations. Well. I can I can have my my assistant find you rooms at uh, the uh, the uh, in the Galleria Vittorio Emanuele II the um, 
the Hotel Vic Milano. It's a very nice. Hmm. You'll be able to look down on the on the shops and the, the people and the mosaics. It's very lovely. Well, that oh. is awfully generous of you. That's wonderful. Wonderful. I can tell you that I don't need to sing better to you to have my wish granted. It already has. I have an idea. And she she excuses herself and she goes to her back to her room for a few minutes and she returns and she's dressed all in beautiful Egyptian robe and she explains oh. the opera to you that it's uh, that she plays an Ethiopian princess who's a slave girl and uh, nobody knows that she's actually the, the king of Ethiopia's daughter and she has fallen in love with uh, the commander of the army uh, 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 I forget his name um, uh, uh, Ramadis and uh, there's this whole love affair between her and him and this rival woman and then there's a war and they capture her father and they're going to execute him and well it's a lovely tragedy and <laughs> what you'd expect from an opera and it's very lavish and La Scala is a huge uh, venue it's very beautiful on the inside and uh, she then performs a number of pieces from this including Ritorno Vincitore which uh, it's her her vocal range is crystal clear and amazing and not, not at all screechy like some sopranos and um, and then the, the evening sort of winds down a little you guys are you know drinking and you're laughing and she's just a delightful person um she's got the title of diva only because she is considered at that moment to be one of the greatest sopranos but she doesn't act like a diva she she's very friendly and very very uh, caring about you know everybody so you by the end of this you've kind of become friends hmm. um and she she can't wait to see you guys at the opera. You can come backstage. You can, oh. she can introduce you to Arturo da Toscanini, the famous uh, director who's going to be uh, running the opera. And uh, and with that, she dismisses herself. She says, "I must have some sleep." Uh, and uh, her and her entourage go back to bed, and you guys are left mm. in the lounge for a little bit. That uh, that was invigorating. What a what a world we live in where we can find such horrors and yet be graced with such beauty hours later. It was fascinating. It almost makes me want to find a cello and play, but alas. Mm. At this point, after everything that's happened today. It was a real roller coaster of uh, positive and frightening and, and you know horrifying and exhilarating moments. Uh, you guys feel yourselves quite exhausted. Right. Uh, it's probably by now about about two in the morning, maybe. Uh, you guys have been up partying for a few hours. But you're relaxed, you're relaxed and you're comfortable. And the Orient expresses everything that you always thought that it would be. The, the, every car in it is uh, different. It's got 
wood grain and designs and comfortable furniture. The waiting staff is very, very conscientious. And you hear multiple languages being spoken by various people and the, uh, the conductors and everybody seem to speak every language that you can think that, that you hear on the train. Impressive. So in fact, one of the requirements uh, that they speak multiple languages. Um, but eventually you're, you're probably gonna wander back to your rooms. Oh yes. So since you are sharing rooms, how do each of you prepare for going to bed? Uh, I have a, uh, I just sleep in my uh, pajama bottoms, but without a, a shirt on. And my uh, routine is I do kind of like a, a little, almost like a habit, just do some card tricks with myself just uh, as a relaxing technique. I think there's also, well, you do have the little bathroom right there. So yeah. You can brush, your uh, teeth and brush your teeth and everything in it. How about uh, who's in your cabin with you, Hunter? I am. I am. Dr. York. Uh, do do? Yeah. Edison, uh, he has uh, proper pajamas. Um, they are uh, silk pajamas. And uh, uh, yeah, when winding down, for the evening, um, do some uh, pleasure reading, you know, just a dime store novel and uh, uh, possibly do some um, journaling in a, in a diary. And then, you know, just kind of, you know, do that. And it's almost meditative to kind of uh, go through that. And then um, that kind of really brings me down into a, into a, a very calm state so that I, once I decide to put those books down, lay my head down, I'm out. You're out. Uh, Dr. Kurtz? Uh, um, given that we are, yeah. yes, there's been hard to get there. Given that we, uh, there are four of us and we have retired roughly at the same time, I will try uh, one of the bathrooms at the end of the hall as it is late um, and this is more efficient. I have which tooth. Uh, to the to the rear is on the other side is, is on our side of the lounge I believe. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so least likely to be occupied, and I have toothbrush and powder and um, some oils and things and a robe over my pajamas. Uh, I do not generally read at night. I, I once the light is out, I uh, yeah. Cogitate. I think you guys are pretty damn exhausted at this point. Yeah. Um, that brings up a point that there is a night conductor at the end of every car in case you need something during the night. I think he's always available. He's just sitting there. He probably sometimes drifts off, but just wake him up. And, Given uh, that I've you. had a few schnapps, I will also have a couple of glasses of water. So I'd like to wake up without dehydration. And Thursby, you're in there with him? Yeah, I'll, I'll wait until uh, York and Block are done with the fresher. And then uh, while I'm waiting, I'll just, you know, do five minutes of, uh, of uh, stretching and such. And then I'll get my, uh, 
my simple, simple yet nice uh, satin light blue uh, pajamas ready and, uh, and just brush up. And I'll also uh, just sort of make my next day's clothes kind of ready to go. And I'll tuck my, um, my revolver in there with, with my coat that's right there, right next to where I'm sleeping. Okay. And uh, Dorian and, and Gabriel... Uh, so, Dorian, uh, he will get himself ready or fresh and all about jazz. Uh, he usually would sleep in nude, but obviously Gabriel's here, so he's just going to wear his uh, boxers. He's he's not posh, he doesn't really have pajamas because he's not used to that because of his home life. Uh, so, Gabriel, you will see, like, uh, what would look like lashing marks on his back, like he's they're old, they're old scars, but it's like he's maybe been belted or something at a young age. They're most definitely not slits. They're, no, they are not slits. They are not slits. No, not again. It's <laughs> <laughs> just lashing marks. And you might also see some burn marks as well, especially along his arms. But yeah, then he just goes to bed. He, he'll do a few stretches as well before, and he has a little... He does a little meditation, and then he goes to bed. Hey, Dr. Deruda um, also would usually sleep in the nude, but will also wear his underwear. In instance. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, I mean, the uh, usual routine is a little bit of silent meditation to himself, which kind of, you know, maybe says couple of uh, different mantras or uh, like mm -hmm. psalms or Upanishads, just things from various religions um kind of to himself before he goes to bed like so <laughs> socks on or socks off for everybody just raise your hands if your socks are off by the way it's nice and warm on the train uh, socks off <laughs> Socks off? Oh, I yeah. have to raise my hand for socks off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. socks oh. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you're all barefoot. Yeah. All right. Corinne and Gabriel so were you, in socks, but as you lay down and things run through your minds, um, everything is so comfortable. The train smells like you know, balsa and you can smell ladies' perfumes and you can smell you know, the distant food maybe that was served at dinner. And, and uh, your, your cots are actually pretty comfortable. They're pretty soft and comfortable. And the pillows are, are feather pillows. They're, they're comfortable. And there's that rhythmic sound of the train as it's a tick, 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 which constantly gets faster and slower. Um, Slowly, by degrees, you begin to drift off into sleep. Sometime later, you are suddenly awakened by a kind of a jolt. And when you open up your eyes, you find that you are not lying down in bed. And you're not even on the train, you seem to be standing 
on a little hill, a little grassy hill. And there is a road that you're standing on. You realize that you're all standing there. And you are dressed exactly as you were when you went to bed. Um, there's a forest behind you. The, the landscape is somewhat obscured by fog. The, uh, the forest behind you looks rather dark and ominous. Um, but the road ahead of you seems to lead down the hill towards what looks like in the fog, maybe a village of some sort. You, uh, you're surprised that you're all there, but none of you are embarrassed by, by the fact that you're dressed in your underwear or you don't have shirts on or anything like that. Um, you're keenly aware that this, this has to be a dream because it's too bizarre that you're out in the countryside you know, half naked. Um, you walk down the road a little bit together and you come to the edge of the village and there is a large sign on a signpost shaped oddly like a cat. And written on the sign are the, is the word Uther. Uh, this town looks very medieval, like uh, something 500 years ago. It's small. There is cobblestones and there is a fountain in the middle of the square up ahead of you. Um, you also begin to notice there are cats everywhere. There are cats on the walls, cats on the fences, cats on the porches, cats on the fountain. And as you walk towards the center, they start to take notice of you one by one. They at first pretend as if they're uh, disinterested. But after a few moments, you realize you're gaining a little bit of an entourage of yourself following along behind you as you're walking towards the fountain in the center. And by the time you've reached the fountain, there are dozens of cats uh, sort of forming a semicircle around you. Um, you're pretty sure it's early in the morning, maybe five-ish, uh, because the light's not very bright. Um, the fog is not very thick, but it's definitely there. Um, a light comes on in a dwelling directly across from where you are. And the door opens and a man steps out onto the porch. It looks like he's getting some bottles or something off of his front porch. And he looks up and sees you. And he says, oh, uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, strangers, eh? Uh, not not to each other, but uh, uh, I do not know you, my good man. This uh, man is rather remarkable in that uh, he looks like he's elderly, maybe, maybe in his 60s or so. But what's most remarkable about him is that he has a tremendous beard that if it, he didn't have it wrapped around himself, uh, would stretch all the way to the ground. And he introduces himself as... Atal, the elder. Mm. Um, well, met Atal. Uh, so, what, where do you hail from? I've, I'm not familiar with that, that name. Atal. Well, you're in the town of Uther. And uh, don't find the cats. It's really their town. 
Um, be careful, though. Harming a cat in our town, they're, they're sacred. We don't like that very much. Right. But uh, just give them a few moments to get used to you. I was about to say, can I stroke? Can I stroke them? If they come up to you, yes. Don't be presumptuous. Um, okay. So that's, as that's you're okay. at, as you're standing there, they've formed a kind of a circle around you, and you you notice they're all about ten feet away. Some of them try. Some of them are staring at you. Some of them are pretending to be indifferent. They're looking at paws and glancing in other directions. There's a bit of a tussle all of a sudden, and a small kitten rolls into the the circle of cats in front of you. This cat's really pretty. It's uh, gray, like um, like a cloud, and its eyes are as blue as the sky. And uh, it tumbles around for a few moments, sort of playing, and then it notices you, and uh, it uh, it cocks its head to the side and it starts moving towards you. It moves towards Dr. Kurtz. And uh, the man, uh, Atal, on the porch, he says, uh, he says, that is uh, Prince Dimbus. Uh, he's part of the royal family. Mm. Nimbus, uh, for his cloud-like color. Indeed. Uh, so he comes up to you. What do you do, <clears throat> Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, Kurtz? I'll uh, crouch a little slowly and give him uh, my hand to sniff. He uh, immediately starts rubbing up against your hand. Mm. And the moment that happens, it's kind of like a trigger goes off. And almost all of the interest that any of the cats had in you is suddenly gone. They... Uh, start printing themselves. Some of them walk back to where they were. The whole circle sort of breaks up, except for two rather large cats. And he says, and that is uh, the king and queen. That is uh, Tom and Sophie. Uh, that's their kitten. And the kitten is very, very affectionate. Hmm. He says, you, uh, <laughs> you look like you were rather surprised. Would you like to come in for some coffee or tea? Uh, it's kind of chilly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I can do with some tea. Does it? Does it feel chilly? A little. It's. It's. You know. It's foggy, so it's kind of moist. You know, in when, the air. When he introduces or points out the king and queen cats, oh, mm -hmm. it can't hurt. I give them a, a respectful bow. Ah, very good move. Yes, sir. Yeah. I will follow in Teddy's. Um, that footsteps. that more or less gets them to feel that everything is fine and they they sort of walk off by themselves i dr york tries to to levitate because i i so often fly in my dreams i i try to see if i can just kind of levitate this um, is clearly a dream <laughs> you you don't seem to be able to levitate so strange hmm so he invites you inside. It's uh, it it's as if you're walking back in time because this this place very much looks like something from maybe the medieval period. Um, there's a large wooden table. There's a fireplace going. Uh, he motions for you to have seats. They're wooden chairs. 
he says, you know, here, I've got some uh, blankets if you're chilled at all. And oh, he hands those you. to you. Um, uh, coffee, tea? If, uh, if you have, uh, Mr. Atal, something like chamomile or something, I'm afraid that having a stimulant while I'm asleep might confuse the system. Oh, perhaps. Yes, I can, I can give you something like that. So he, he starts handing that out. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm rather curious. Uh, uh, how did you get here? Did you, um, did you travel down the 70 steps uh, from the Caverns of Flame? And did the high priests actually uh, uh, come up us you... you? No, no, we must not have. I don't, at least I don't recall anything like Are that. Yeah, you, I uh, look at my companions in confusion. Like, I'm not. Are uh, you. Uh, are you all drug addicts? Uh, no, no. I mean, uh, no. I don't. No, that would be rather unusual. You all coming here under that pretext? Are you? Uh, hmm. We're we're riding are, a train. Yes, we're, yes. we're traveling. Oh, companions. are you? Are you passengers on the Orient Express? Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. uh, uh, you're Henry's people. All right. Yes, you're Henry's people. That's why you're here. That explains. Your uh, night clothes, Henry's. Henry, he looks Henry. up. He's got a. He's got like a cuckoo clock on the wall. He looks up at it and he says, "He says, oh, you've you've got about twenty minutes. I could make you breakfast or something." Oh, or Henry gets here. Now, 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 who is this, Henry? Oh, Henry. Um, how do I explain this? Uh, none of you have experience in the dreamlands that's where you are you're in the dreamlands yeah i figured we were dreaming I, this um, is quite peculiar we're we're in each other's dreams this seems so such a lucid dream well henry will enjoy probably explaining it all to you himself um you are here because you are uh he brought you here he brought you here uh, it'll all kind of explain itself um, you're you're meant to get on the train here. Hmm. So we're having a, a train connection, except it is while we sleep. Yes, um, it's more complicated than that. Which, like I say, he'll he'll explain most of it to you. Suffice it to say, he's a very good person, and his intentions are very good. So you don't have anything hmm. to worry about. This isn't uh, a nightmare. Yeah, it does not feel like a nightmare, except that I am confused by the presence of other people from waking life. This is not exactly a dream. He can explain some of this better than I, but the dream lands are created by human minds. Does that make sense? It formed... They're, they're kind of, you could call them a kind of a spiritual realm, but not quite like, you know, heaven or anything like that. It's something that's caused by human intelligence and human, human thinking over the course of thousands of years. It may have, must have slowly come into being, but most of the people here, most of the people here are actually like you. They're dreamers. Um, 
So is it safe to say that our sleeping bodies remain in the birth on the train? On yes, exactly. And in fact, you can spend weeks and weeks here. And uh, when you wake up, it'll just be the next morning. Experience time. But I'm still you might not a... be able to remember. You... Edison's having a hard time fully grasping <laughs> and, and truly thinking that this is a hallucination a dreaming state of some sort sure. clearly will just kind of walk up because I, I feel Edison feels like he's just observing this, this dream almost in third person and will walk up silently to stand next to uh, a tall and just kind of start patting him on the back and touching his shoulder just to see if there's substance there. Yeah. He, uh, he smiles and he puts his hand on you. He says, I'm quite real. This, this is reality. It's just a different kind of reality. <clears throat> Dreams are fantasies. But you look around, you see that everything is kind of, I would say, old-fashioned. Um, it takes a while for human minds to form the dreamlands. We're about 500 years behind the rest of the world. So, so um, you're you're suggesting that that this just isn't my dream, and I seeing all of you as characters, but but well, it's debatable whether you'll remember any of this when you wake up, but uh, you might. Do you think any of us have been here before and yet do not remember it? Have I met you? You haven't met me. No, I mean, I've, I've not met you. And the fact that you're dressed in your nightclothes would seem to indicate that you were completely unprepared. So Why? I would guess that you're probably you're probably new. If, if this is a dream, can I can I dream some proper attire? Well, I feel I a bit undone. I, I I can I can supply you with something to wear, though my guess is that Henry will take care of that. The exactly. Henry has a, a destination for us. I uh, oh yes, I have a. I have to go to the temple, which is my duty. I am high priest in Uther, uh, but I can walk you to the train station if you'd like. It's just down the road. Uh, B, is that where we're meeting, Henry? Appreciated. Yes, you can. Uh, you can take the blankets if you want. Um, just give them to Henry, and he'll get them back to me next time he comes through. Did uh, Prince Nimbus come in with us? <clears throat> Actually, the cats are in a contingency on the train. This, uh, they're heading to Sumanil. Um, I'm not exactly sure why they don't. They don't tell me their business all the time, but uh, they are planning on going. Nimbus and the king and queen and. Quite an entourage usually goes on the train. They have their own car. It's not exactly, <laughs> it's not exactly built like for us. Mm -hmm. We have different needs than they do. Well, shall we? Uh, huh. Sure. The way. I'm sure this all seems very yeah. odd to you. Yeah, to say the very least. I'm on a train, going to catch a train. With cats. 
barefoot. So and that the cobblestones do not seem that uncomfortable, even though it is unlikely to walk on bare cobblestones in the early morning. Cobblestones seem to have been worn by hundreds of years of travel on them. So, <clears throat> all right. So you walk down the street, and you can see that the light is uh, coming up a bit. There's a few moments when you get a little bit of break in the fog where you can see the valley sort of laid out. There seems to be a river down there and a bridge, uh, but there are still large banks of, of fog, you know, as the, as the morning comes in. You can see distant mountains and you can see the lights growing there as if the, the sun were coming up. <clears throat> you also start to notice as you walk through town, more lights have come on. Uh, people are starting to stir, stir. People are, you know, on their way to bake bread or whatever. It seems very much like a small medieval town and the cats are everywhere. <coughs> so down the road you go and you come to a place where there is a little platform. Um, it's not so little, maybe it's a hundred feet long. Um, it looks like a train, train platform. However, it's very ornate. It's very fancy. There's uh, a lot of little filigrade spirals, you know, holding up the awning up above. And, um, there are benches where you can sit. There are three people at the train station ahead of you. Um, it looks like there is an old woman dressed in brown uh, and with an odd ruffled collar around her neck. Um, she's sitting farthest away uh, by herself. There is another man in a fur coat, um, big brown fur coat. He looks almost like a bear, uh, except that he himself is quite blonde and has uh, facial hair. And then there's a rather fat looking businessman uh, clutching a briefcase. Um, he's also sitting there. Uh, waiting for the train. Uh, Atal says to you, he says, you can, you can wait here. It should just be a few more minutes and the train will arrive. Like you all do spot hidden though, as you step onto the... Uh, <clears throat> ah, success, finally. I am... Success. I'm just bamboozled by all I see. So you are sitting there for a few minutes. Do you guys want to do anything? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had you roll. Um, so you look around and those of you who passed. No, you, you, rolled, you, you rolled your spot, spot hidden. Oh. Um, those of you who passed notice a couple of things. Um, one is there don't seem to be any train tracks. Mm. And two... There seem to be large trap doors in the platform itself next to the where the tracks would be that look like they would open up. Hmm. Um, like the kind you'd see like on a, 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 a cellar door, except much bigger. Um, the rest of you are just noticing. You're noticing that the plants are very much like plants in the real world, but kind of prettier and there's little flowers blooming and um, 
Uh, it's just it's just an experience it's like you're in a train station, but a very pretty little train I, station. I, I point that out to to those around me that you know, look at those very. I wonder what those large trap doors are for, where you'd expect the tracks to be. I was wondering that too. I just I had noticed that also. It mm. Seems to be this whole place that uh, maybe the logic. <laughs> yeah, maybe the train comes through those trap doors. I wouldn't be surprised where cats are kings and queens and speaking of cats you can see that there are some little velvet ropes sort of dividing up the the train station a bit and down at the other end of the platform you see a whole bunch of cats sort of waiting there um you probably catch a glimpse of uh, nimbus and uh his parents um but they're not really mingling with the Mm -hmm. people do you guys want to do anything with the other people yet, or just want to wait? Who's uh, there's, a, there's an old woman. There's a man in a fur coat. Correct. Is that and, a, and a, a, a heavy set? A, a heavy set man, man with uh, business with a, a briefcase. Oh, I'll head over to the lady that's sitting down. Okay. She's a, she's the farthest one away. But um, like. Well, she it, it you get the impression as you're walking towards her that she purposefully sat away from the others. Oh, oh, she wants to be left alone. I don't want to bother her. Then. Um, the uh, well, so you got the other two. Which one did you want? To... Oh, who, whoever's closest, walk over. Okay. Well, the 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 heavy set fellow is closest. Yeah. He's sitting there and he says, uh, good morning to you. He's got a pretty strong Scottish accent. Oh, good morning there. What a, what a lovely morning. Indeed it is. Uh, he sort of looks you up and down and he says, your first time, eh? Uh, so I've been told, uh, uh, as you can perhaps surmise, uh, I'm new here. What, what do you do around here, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, well, I am actually traveling to uh, uh, to one of the stations at the end, uh, probably Sun and Ill. Uh, uh, I, uh, I'm doing some business with uh, the, uh, the, the royal court. Of, of cats? No, 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 no. The cats, that, the royal court of cats is here in, uh, in Uther. Uh, uh, I'm talking about the court of King Kuranis, the uh, the king of the all of the dreamlands. Oh, okay. You really are new here, aren't you? Very don't know how nice. things work at all yet. Well, not particularly. He says, "What can I tell you?" And he says, he points at uh, the big uh, bear-like man. He says, uh, uh, "This fellow here, he's." Uh, uh, the same. Uh, his name is uh, Karakov. Karakov. Uh, you might have heard of him, Karakov. Uh, he in the in the real world, he's a well, he's a kind of a businessman that sells uh, arms, if you will. Oh, interesting. Not not arms, but not, you know. Ah, yeah. uh, no, of course. That'd be. He sort of he sort of leans over and he says. He says Some say he sells them to both sides. 
both sides. So, so there are sides. So tell me of these sides. Uh, I, that sounds like no, 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 not here aware. in the in the real world. I don't know what he's doing here, but he's been oh. here many times before. So, hmm. so you're of the real world as well, then. Indeed, I am currently or traveling the on the Orient Express, heading for uh, London, where I oh. also have business. Oh, mm. fascinating! What what time? What what day. Like, What day is it in the heading towards London for you? Um, it's uh, nineteen twenty-three. Oh, um, okay. And I forget what day we're on. Uh, Jan- January. 13th? Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Just... January thirteenth. Interesting. This is fascinating. Is there anything you would warn us of to, to steer clear of for safety here? Oh no, you're in you're in really good hands on Henry's train. You'll uh, you'll be you'll uh, you'll be quite pleased once you're on board. Thank you. Hmm. So. As you guys are sitting there for a few minutes, there's this noise. Um, It's the noise of expectancy. You hear a sort of a thundering sound rumbling across the landscape, heading heading in your direction, but it's it's foggy in that direction. And you're not exactly sure what to expect, but it's somewhat like the rumbling of a train. And as I, as you notice, there's there's no track. Hmm. And what emerges from the fog, uh, this fog sort of billows as it as it approaches, is a monster. But it's one that doesn't alarm you. It it almost seems whimsical. Um, it's hard to explain. It's uh, it's as if you had crossed an elephant and an octopus and a spider and uh, um, steam pipes and little uh, pavilions that seem to be perched on the back of each one of these things as it comes rolling forward towards oh, the... Uh, my. They seem to all be holding on to one another like a family of uh, animals. And as their seems, little It seems horrific. It does, and yet at the same time it doesn't seem so surprising, which kind of is surprising, maybe. Um... This right. thing thunders into the station, um, and the, the, it seems like there's one very large one in front and somewhat smaller ones behind, but even the smaller ones are at least 20 feet high uh, as they thunder past, and they seem to have these little pavilions, a very filigreed, beautiful little arabesque sort of looking things, like something you would see in the Alhambra. Um, all carved out of ivory and alabaster and uh, painted with pretty, you know, turquoise and colors. The two, the two front ones, the biggest one, they, they don't have these pavilions. The second one does, but they go past you uh, down the track 
Um, and the whole thing sort of lays out in front of you. When it does, the a couple of these tentacles, uh, big, large tentacles, uh, they sort of reach down towards the platform and they grab a hold of these trap doors. There are big rings on them and they open them up and they reach inside and they pull out uh, another rather ornate filigreed sort of staircase that they prop up and they close the doors and they prop them up on their sides so that they're going from the platform up to the little pavilions up above. Um, you see them down at the other end where the cats are. They have the same sort of thing, but it's a ramp that they, they put up, a red velvet ramp. Hmm. Um, the other people on the platform stand up and sort of move forward towards the stairs. And a man appears at the top of the uh, stairs and he introduces himself as Henri Peters. He says, welcome, welcome, uh, bienvenue. Uh, uh, he says it in a number of languages and he, uh, he begins walking down the stairs. He says, welcome to uh, the dream the Dreamland Express. Says, please uh, uh, have your tickets ready. And as he gets to the bottom, he's looking over at the others and he suddenly looks over at you and he says, oh, we have special guests. He says, if you'll give me just a moment, I will, uh, I will assist you in just one moment. Let me take care of these uh, regular customers. He goes over to... Um, the woman who steps forward first. He says, ah, Madame Bonneval, it is all very nice to have you once again. Your usual room is ready. And he says, please go up the stairs. And up she goes. Um, then the, the, the man in the coat, he says, uh, ah, Monsieur Karakov, uh, he says, your package has been well secured in the foregone uh, please uh, make your way up, and I hope you have a very pleasant uh, ride. Ah, uh, Monsieur McKenzie, uh, please uh, come forward. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be going all the way this time. And he says, no, 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 I'm uh, probably just to son of you. And he says, well, that is your prerogative, please, uh, up the stairs. He then walks over to where the cats are, and he makes some very strange noises in cat ease and seems to be speaking cat. Um, he gives them the go ahead and they get on board. And then he comes over to where you are. And he says, ah, my special friends, you are probably quite confused about why you are here. He says, let me give you your tickets. Uh, we do not have a very long stop in Utha. Uh, you can see we are loading cabbages and uh, other various things into the storage to transport. Uh, here are your tickets. Um, mm. If you will please proceed up the stairs. Uh, I will explain everything to you once you are on board and we are underway. Oh. Uh, and he hands you this ticket. The ticket is metallic. It seems to be made out of silver. Uh, but it's got a rainbowy sort of sheen to it. 
human dreamers who are privileged to be passengers aboard the Orient Express and who have cares and worries that hinder them from their full potential may board the Dreamland Express for free and all accommodations are likewise free. Because you have met these conditions, you may return to the same Dreamland Express at any time from any bed in the waking world, even if days, weeks, months, or even years have passed. You may use your ticket to journey between the cities serviced by the train, Ulthar, Dilathleen, Zar, Afro, Afrat, Thalaran, Zura, Ira, Sona Nal, and Serenin. This is a gift and a guarantee by the chef de train Henry Peters. Optional agreement. If you stay on the train beyond Seren Serenin, it is assumed you wish to discard your hindering thoughts in the Gulf of Nodens. Once the, this is accomplished, you will return to the waking world, retaining the memory, but with the weight lifted from your soul. The cost for this special privilege is that you may not board the Dreamland Express again, even as a paying customer. This is a bargain with the elder god Nodens. It is non-negotiable. So... I'm assuming that you go up the stairs. Pass you. I, I almost half expect the stairwell to just continue to elongate like a hallway you might be running down in a dream. So it's it's almost surprising to reach the summit. Well, that is kind of what happens. That as you <laughs> begin up the stairs. You seem to be gaining a lot more height than you expected. Um, for a while, it almost seems as if the pavilions on the backs of the beasts are growing to the point that when you reach the summit and step inside the observation pavilion, which is where you are, is a good 30 feet across and uh, hangs above your head, you know, 15, 20 feet. Um, it's all open on, on the far side and on your side so that you could stand there and observe. The floor is a beautiful sort of inlaid mosaic with swirls and patterns and designs in it. Um, directly to your, uh, to your right, there is an archway and uh, written above it is uh, uh, the dining car. Um, and in the other direction, it says lounge. Uh, these are very ornate doors, once again, very arabesque uh, sort of to give you the, the overall concept. Uh, kind of things are like this, where you're standing. Oh, Hi. Uh, wow. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. 
so after it's a few impossible moments, for this to be upon this beast what is uh, it truly is a dream yeah. remarkable remarkable i'm so after after a few minutes, um, Monsieur Peters uh, arrives at the top of the stairs, and you can see, if you're looking over the side, you can see the, the large tentacles take the thing, return it into the the platform, and close the uh, the doors. You can still see that they're loading boxes of cabbages and various other things, carpets and. It looks like some sort of product back and forth. Um, and Henry says, well, he says, you probably have many questions. Uh, I am willing to answer them all for you, or would you rather have a tour first? I, I have one question I would like to begin uh, offer before the tour, and that is whether it is possible to be insured in this place. Ah. Uh, Theoretically, yes, it's possible to be injured, but not by anything here. Uh, are you afraid of heights? Uh, it is quite high. Indeed. No, no I just wonder if, uh, if I were to, you know, stick my hand in the fire here, is it really going to burn anything, or is it just a dream notion that will be gone completely when... I assume we all awake again on the train, yeah? You would probably be injured here, though when you wake up, you probably would not be injured, but you would have the memory of the pain. Mm. This is a little more than simply a dream, monsieur. Uh, this is quite a very special place. Mm. Uh, um, it violates very many rules of my accustomed experience of reality, so yes. Ah, uh, the, the rules of physics, yes. Some of them apply, some of them do not here. Yeah. I'll explain about the vert uh, when we get down to it. Uh, you will develop abilities here uh, that you do not have on Earth. Uh, it is part of the gift, let's see. Um, anything else before I show you around? Yes, why did you... We're told that you were the one who brought us here. I, I want to know why. Ah. Well, that is the entire thing, is it not, monsieur? Uh, you read your ticket, yes? Yes. Mm, that is a mm. rather long story. I was, at one time, the chef de train for the Orient Express in the waking world. Uh, this was probably by your standards many years ago. I made it my mission as uh, chef de train to make my customers as happy as I possibly could. Uh, when I came here, I decided to try and do the same thing. And so I uh, constructed the train uh, and uh, it is still my intention. Now, in order to come here, in order to be on my train, there must be something in your uh, psychology that 
gives you difficulty when you sleep at night, something that keeps you awake, something that bothers you. It could be um, abuse as a child, or it could be uh, the accidental death of a loved one, or something you blame yourself for. I am going to give you the opportunity to remove the obstacle from your mind so that when you wake, you will be able to move forward. You will be able to achieve your full potential. It will make more sense as time goes on, as you understand it better. Sounds like a form of therapy. Uh, perhaps. Uh, only one that is most effective and uh, always works. Um, mm. Uh, getting rid of a tragedy that's taking away from a from someone's character. As I say, it won't remove the memory. It will simply allow you to move beyond that obstacle. The obstacle, you wouldn't be here if there wasn't an obstacle that was keeping you back. Something that kept keeps you from achieving your full potential as a human being. It would make more sense. You are under no obligation. This is uh, fully optional on your part. We have a number of people who have not done this. Uh, Monsieur McKenzie seems to be quite reluctant. Um, I am not sure if that is, uh, that is for any valid reason, but uh, I'm hoping that someday soon he will, in fact, complete his... Uh, traverse to the Gulf of Nodens and throw that damned briefcase into the, uh, into the abyss. Dr. York has a, a visible shudder when uh, uh, Henry mentions the Gulf of Nodens. I'm like, Mr. Peters, I have a fear of open water is are you saying that you can you can cure this of me if that is what you wish to be cured yes you will be able to sail upon the ocean without any fear i mean other than natural fear nobody wants to sink in a sailing ship but uh it won't bother you anymore no few people have been on a sinking ship as I have weighted down, drowning, pulling to the bottom. These are all very personal for each of you. You are under no obligation to tell me or anything, but I can assist you in, uh, in getting rid of them. I'll explain that uh, later. Mm. But uh, any other questions before I show you around? I, I, in the ticket, it mentioned we could return from, from any bed in the waking world. Yes. Uh, your How? tickets are forever now locked onto you unless you go all the way to the end. Uh, if you go to the end, then that will be the end of your journey on our train, and you will not be allowed to ride again. Uh, would we, would we come to this place from now on? Every time we go 
to sleep in the waking world? Only or? if you wish it. Yes. Oh, so um, oh, okay. Madame so we, Bonneval, you saw her in the train. Oh, we. Uh, I believe she has been in the dreamlands for perhaps 400 years. Um, and she rides fairly frequently. She's never gone to the end. Hmm. Um, and somehow she manages to come here all the time. So you can see by the way she's dressed, it was 400 years at least. Hmm. Uh, Speaking of dress, we seem to be underdressed. I will, uh, I will take care of that for you, yes. Um, are we ready? Shall I show you around? All right. Uh, so he says, first of all, let's uh, look at the dining room. Our, our dining is a uh, regular hours. Um, you can, of course, get anything you want to eat uh, at any time. Uh, there will be a bell that rings half an hour before the meal, and then it will ring again when it is time to come. Uh, it is formal dress, please. And uh, let me show you. And he walks you over through this arch. And it's like a, a, a king's dining hall. It's magnificent with flowers and things on the table and set out and gold and silver and... Um, quite spectacular. Uh, he says, beyond this is the kitchen, and then the foregones, and then the uh, tender, and then the, the engine, meaning. Uh, and then in this direction, we have the lounge, and then your, uh, your rooms. And he takes you towards them. And uh, as you step through into the lounge, hmm. the lounge is uh, beautiful. It's, uh, it's got a fully stocked bar. It's got a side table with uh, like roast uh, pork and uh, various delightful little things set out to snack on and eat. There are comfortable chairs. Uh, once again, these this place is like 30 feet wide. It's yes. gigantic on the inside. Um, everything is warm and soft and comfortable. Um, there's uh, a musical instrument. There's a piano if you want to play. If uh, There's uh, books lining parts of the walls and large windows looking out, you know, uh, onto the countryside. By now, as you are in the lounge and glance outside the window, you see that you are moving rather swiftly across the countryside. Uh, and is this countryside general pastoral, just green, and then some trees, and then more grass? Pretty much thing? at this point, yes. Yeah. This area of the dreamlands is quite pastoral. Um, are, are we feeling uh, kind of the, the lumbering movement, or is this more no. steady? You feel no movement whatsoever. Oh my! Um, even when you were on the when you were crossing the observation area, you didn't even feel the wind going by. That's fantastic. And now your sleeping arrangements. Uh, he takes you down a corridor, um, and uh, let's see. he says. Um, 
He says, let me see, Monsieur uh, Neruda, did you say your name was? I'm assuming to correct him. Yes, names. that is a... He doesn't magically know your names. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am, uh, I am Neruda. Uh, he says, yes, your name is here on the, on the, the door. Uh, and I believe that you are quite fond of the color orange, are you not? Uh, yes. He opens up the door and there is a sprawling sort of bedroom with a king-size bed with posts. All of the trappings in here are, you know, uh, wood and orange, various colors of orange. Um, there's furniture, there's a table, there's a, a lounge chairs and, and stuff. There's books lining the walls. There's paintings that you're quite familiar with. You like those paintings very much. Um, he shows you that uh, that your every comfort is provided for you, uh, and uh, and this is your room. He subsequently shows each of you uh, a room like it, although sometimes the configuration's laid out a little differently. Uh, but in each case, it's your favorite color. Uh, hmm. The paintings on the wall are tasteful paintings that you quite enjoy. There's books. There's comfortable chairs where you can sit and smoke. There's alcohol ready for you. Is there so a cello forth. in my room? Sure. Yeah. There's a cello. Yeah. And then he points that at the at the farther down there is a spa. If you wish to relax, if you wish to get a soak, if you wish to get a massage, uh, that's there. Now beyond that is the cat car. And you can go there if you want, but it's not designed for humans. So it's not exactly, there's not going to be any comfortable seating or anything there. Scratching. He, right. He, uh, he sort of gives you this general overall view of the way the train is laid out. So you started at the observation platform. You've got banquet hall, kitchen, foregone, cargo, tender, engine, lounge, sleeping, sleeping, bath, spa, cat car. Excellent. You are free to roam about as you wish, um, though there are some plots of the train that are less interesting than others, obviously. Um, if you need anything, you simply call for Henry and I shall come. One, one last thing. Uh, uh, it, it sounded a bit ominous. We could never come back to the train if we go beyond the last stop. Um, is, is that something we would very much be aware of or could we accidentally fall asleep and then get carried over some threshold and then be banned? Or would, would it be a definite choice we would be confronted with? I, I understand. You are uh, somewhat uh, wary of these sorts of things. The train is, uh, the, the purpose of the train is to relieve you of whatever burden you might be carrying. Uh, to describe it, we will, we will leave the city of Saranian and we shall vault up to uh, the ferry bridge which crosses over the Gulf of Nodens. Um, the train there stops. 
you will get out, you will walk across the ferry bridge and halfway over, you will throw, um, I call them totems. You will throw your totem into the gulf below. You'll then continue across the bridge and you will wake up. Um, you might be able to get back to the dreamlands, but you are not allowed to use my train any longer because it is no longer the purpose that it was made for. It's a deal that I made with the Elder God Nodens. He is Did willing you... to relieve you for this. Uh, Monsieur Henry, this is a very generous uh, establishment you offer to us. And I must say that the uh, comforts of the waking Orient Express will seem diminished by the largesse we experience here. Uh, there are several things I have never done in dreams before, but perhaps in the dreamland it is different. I don't ever sleep in dreams. Will I sleep here and wake here? Or if I sleep here, will I wake up on the train in the real world? I'm not sure there's a real answer to that. It, uh, it's very likely that you will be able to sleep here and awake here and continue on for days here. Uh, but when you wake up from here, it will simply be the next morning there. If Time I, does not move the same way. And, and if other dreaming beings wish to go from Ulta to Soranian, how do they travel if not by your train? They do. Uh, they can buy tickets. Um, uh, the 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 there are beings that live in the dreamlands that don't that aren't in the waking world. They are free to uh, travel on my train, but they have to pay a price usually. Um, mm -hmm. the The sustenance of this train is uh, is trade. I uh, set it up. I had to create a number of bargains with the various cities along the way. Uh, mostly transporting goods. You saw them loading cabbages. Uh, the cabbages are for Zura. Um, they like the cabbages. They'll probably provide me with, oh, tapestries or silk or something, which I'll take on to Suranian. And Sealing wax, perhaps. Various things, yes. And uh, I transport that back and forth in order to keep the bargains allowed so that I can do exactly what I'm doing for you. Uh, that's my ultimate purpose. And you came here as a dreamer or at the end of your life? Is this a job? Do people in the dream world have to work? Well, monsieur, shall we um, go to the lounge? I will, I can uh, make yourself comfortable. I can explain. Yeah. Certainly, yes. I will so change. I will change first into yeah. proper attire. Oh, he shows you, by <laughs> the way, that each room has a wardrobe. Mm. And in the wardrobe is a complete variety of clothing that fits you perfectly. Ooh, like tailor-made, perfect. So you, you have all of the clothes and shoes. and. But it's, it's period appropriate for the Dreamlands. It's period appropriate for what you would be used to. So there are, you know, tuxedos, if you will. Okay. If that's what you want. Those things can be managed. Um, so you guys get 
cleaned up and and yeah. Hmm. While he says to join him, then in the lounge he'll be there. Um, if you guys want to do anything before that, now that he's gone, uh, I want to look around my room, see if there's like a. Like a hidden panel, uh, yeah. That's why I'm inspecting around. Um, the floors have oriental carpets on them. Um, are you doing something like lifting them up and looking underneath? Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, it looks like there are places in the floor that can be slid aside. Um, like what would you call them? They're not really trap doors. They wouldn't open this way. They'd, mm -hmm. they'd slide open. Uh, they don't look like they're locked or secured or anything. Did you want to open one up? I will. Yeah. Okay. You do that, and what you are seeing is the back of the beast. Um, it is kind of a soft, mossy green. Um touch it i i i will i'll reach out and kind of like does it feel like moss is it moist it's it's not wet it's not moist it's soft um hmm. like like you were petting the back of a horse except there's okay. no hair right it's got that kind of muscly sort of feel to it um hmm. And, and when you touch it, you can sort of vaguely hear the thundering sounds of its giant hooves as it's going along. But there's no way around it. You know, it's just right. like sitting yeah. there. Okay. I'll slide it back, put the carpet back down, and <laughs> weird. Anybody else? I'm curious about the books available in my personal library. Okay. Uh, you go over and you look at the books, and uh, they all look familiar. They're all things that you've loved as a child or uh, that you've loved as an adult, um, whatever books you've read. You know. mm. So nothing that uh, I believe existed in the world in the past but is lost uh, Correct. There, in fact, you notice, a... you notice that there's nothing here that you haven't already read. Mm. So, in fact, I might only be able to read the memories of having read it once and not look up a sentence on page 306. But I would open it and feel like, ah, yes, the Lord of the Rings. Do you, do you want to translation. try that? Yes. 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 Uh, there's something very interesting when you start looking at it, especially if you start to concentrate on, on that idea that it might be your mind generating it. In fact, you begin to notice what we call the Mandela effect, that it reads the way you remember it and not necessarily the words it was actually written in. Yeah. So if I was, if I found a book that I was only told about and never read, 
I would open it up and it wouldn't be full of words exactly, but it would be a story that I imagine. Or it would be blank. Yeah. If you have no idea what it says. Yeah. Um, yes, that is something that you guys come to, to realize. If you go into his room and you look at the books on his shelf and they're the ones that he likes to read, when you try to read them, if you haven't read them, there's nothing there. Yeah, and I cannot find the secret riot of Sedefkar Simulacrum on the shelf. Correct. Correct. Um, and yet, they're still very enjoyable because they're the books that you've loved your whole life. So very, they create relaxation. Um, anything else? I'm just, I... I'm just amazed. Just just amazed at this whole place. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's it's just so much more beautiful than I would ever picture than I have pictured an afterlife being for myself. So gonna sit in that orange this is this gorgeous space and just <clears throat> be for a bit Not edison sure what to do yeah edison changes and heads for the lounge to uh i'm and I'm, I'm intrigued to learn more dorian so, will uh, play the cello for a very long time very nice i'll go uh look through the clothes that are available and pick out something that seems soothing for the moment and uh, maybe go over to the table or counter where there might be a pitcher of water, and pour a little glass. And uh, if there's a balcony or window out, I'd like to go over there and, and stand there and look out at the view for uh, a few minutes before okay. heading to the as, you, as you're looking out the window, you can see the river, which is a fairly large river. There's a bridge going over it, but you're not exactly heading towards the bridge. Um, the bridge seems to, you can see people walking across the bridge. Uh, the sun is starting to burn through the fog. Uh, there are farms out there. And just as you, or the train rather, as the train is approaching, uh, the river sky. Um, you can see this, but you can't feel it. You feel or you see the entire train sort of leap into the air and it simply leaps over the river and lands on the other side without creating any kind of disturbance inside the train itself. But you you're sure that you guys went up another hundred feet as it leaped wow. over the, the river. Fantastic. Um, quite, quite thrilling. This truly is a fantastic voyage. Well, I'll set my glass of water down, half enjoyed, and uh, head on out to the lounge. And it is fresh, clean, cold water. Very nice. Um, before you head to the Lounge, since you have interacted with Henry now for a bit, um, I'd like you to all to spot hiddens. 
that to notice the mask on his face. <laughs> There's a mask uh, on his face? I succeeded. <laughs> 43 is a regular success. I've mask. had zero, fi- uh, zero successes all night. <laughs> all right, for me. Yeah. Well, there. Those better and better. Hard who, here. Who succeed? Okay. Those of you who did succeed, one characteristic you do notice about Henry is he is covered head to foot. Um, he's wearing a wig, obviously, uh, and the only his his arms are gloved. Uh, he's wearing high white stockings underneath his blue uniform. Um, the only bit of skin that you can see from Henry is right around his eyes. And you're pretty sure it's not exactly right. It's it's dark. It's that looks like it might be injured. You know, there there may be some reason why he's wearing a mask. I wonder hmm, what would happen to him. In any case, you guys head into the lounge and uh, uh, Madame Bonneval is there. She's sitting over by the fireplace in a large chair. Um, She has clutched in her arms a heart-shaped box, like a, like a, a little purse if you will, uh, shaped like a little, like it's woven out of something. Uh, it's shaped like a heart. Uh, it's not very large. I know you could probably hold it like this. It's like a, like a woman would carry. Um, uh, and uh, she seems quite protective of it. Maybe that is what, like the briefcase. Um, You'll notice Mr. McKenzie, he's sitting over there drinking. Uh, that briefcase is uh, handcuffed to his hand. And you can see that it is stuffed. You can see little corners of paper sticking out of all the, the edges. Um, Karakoff is not there. Uh, must be somewhere else in the train. And as you walk in, um, you, as you're walking in, you don't see uh, Henry. Uh, but as you, as the last of you steps into the tra- into the, the lounge, uh, Henry comes up right behind you, and he says, "Well, now, uh, shall we have a discussion? I think there's a there's a table here. We can sit." Oh, merci beaucoup. Excellent. He he says, "Well." Are you enjoying yourself? Do you like your rooms? Is everything in order? Amazing. Right. Lovely. So let me tell you a little bit about myself so that you know. I was born in Belgium uh, around 1850. I uh, was born to, my mother was uh, Belgian. My father was Dutch. Uh, I, uh, they were very good people, uh, though not particularly wealthy, uh, but uh, they insisted that I learn 
uh, both languages, French and uh, Dutch. This gave me a slight advantage as I grew older because I could get a job in the service industry. I uh, worked, I don't need to go into all the details, but I worked my way into the service industry until I got to point to the, uh, the Orient Express as, a, and as you know, one of the uh, conductors. Uh, by then I'd spoken five languages. And uh, over the course of a few years, I became the chef de train, uh, the, the train. Uh, I love the service industry. I love helping people. I love making them comfortable. That was my entire job and I was well suited to it and I loved it very much. And then I died. Uh, and he hesitates for a moment and he says, I found myself somehow in this place. And for a while I thought this was paradise, heaven, but it didn't seem that way. Perhaps purgatory, not, there were good things here and there were bad things here. There were, it wasn't much different than the real world except that there were some rather strange things. And by degrees, after many years, many years of wandering here, I decided that I needed a purpose. And so I decided to follow the same purpose that I had before. The only problem was, is that you don't have the ability to make a steam locomotive in this world. It's a technology far in advance of what they can manage. Uh, they don't even have uh, guns or revolvers uh, here, knives, swords, are the, not the best you can get here. So I looked for a means to do this. And after much wandering, I found uh, Mimi, who is the engine of the train. Uh, she was not in the earthly dreamlands, but in another. And we became friends and we conceived this whole notion together. The cars are her children and uh, we have a kind of a symbiotic relationship. Um, friendship is probably the best way you can describe it. Uh, I then, I then uh, made deals all across the dreamlands to um, be able to buy and sell various goods throughout them. And then eventually I, I had the train going. I, I thought to somehow offer to you in the waking world something here. And uh, that was quite a lot of doing. I had to make bargains with Nodens, with uh, various other forces here, with the permission of King Puranis. And here we are. Uh, that, is, uh, that is where we are now. Uh, that is why I'm doing this. Um, after you have enjoyed yourself for a bit and you feel a little weary and you go back to your rooms, you will find a small package and he produces a little green velvet pouch in front of him. And he opens it up and dumps it out and it's a little lump of green clay. And he says, this, this is a very special substance this is what I call 
that. He says, with that, and he holds his hand over it. He says, you can shape it to whatever you desire. And it begins to change shape. It turns into a swan. It turns into a little flower. It turns into a few other things. And he says, what you will do if you choose is you will practice, you will learn to shape your vert into the embodiment of your pain and suffering, as I have described. This will become your totem, and this will be the thing that you throw into the Gulf of Nodens at the end, if you wish. Um, you lose nothing other than, as I say, the obstacle that gets in your way. It might, might take you a bit of time, but it's going to take a number of days for us to reach um, so the, the final stop on our train. Uh, do you have any questions for me? So, uh, Mr. McKinsey, his briefcase was a bit overt to begin with. Indeed, yes. Uh, and as you can uh, see, it becomes what he's brought with him. Do you understand what his travels are now when he's not going to see this nodens, but just using the transportation? I don't know. He's made his own deals. He mm -hmm. uh, Only what he's told me, you can certainly discuss it with him. Uh, he's rather forthcoming with, he's a very friendly man. And My does, only concern is that he'll wait too long. Oh, what could happen if you wait too long? He could die, never having achieved anything in the real world. Do you, and so if when we look out the windows of this, the, the engine is Mimi? Ah, yes, Mimi. When we look out the windows from Mimi and her children, um, and we see in the distance a little farmhouse with a fire Oops. and so on. Are those are those people dreaming or are they also have they died or it depends on the person. Some are dreamers, some are residents that have lived here their whole lives. The dreamlands has its own people. Um, some of them were never awake, some of them were. Um, and if I chose to wake up right now. Could I do so? Possibly. And my friends would still be behind, or would we all wake up? You, I, I don't have the answer. Yes, perhaps. Is uh, to just let it ride and see what happens. Uh, Indeed, uh, you will probably meet some along the way from this world. Mm. I could not be surprised at all. Um, I don't know if I've sufficiently answered your question. Uh, one, I, 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 I still I not. Uh, is it only the three other people and? This group on the train with the cats? At the, at the moment, yes. Do you often have a full capacity or? 
it's possible uh, farther on into the uh, into the voyage. We will be stopping at quite a few different cities. Although there are some, I would suggest you avoid. Uh, we we stop at all of them uh, based on, as I say, the uh, the deals that I've made with uh, transporting uh, material goods. But some of them are better than others. Um, our next stop is Dilathleen. Uh, Dilathleen is a port city. Uh, it's not bad, but it can be a little rough, if you know what I mean. Port cities, after all. Um, some of the other cities are quite dangerous. I would suggest you avoid them. I'll, I'll tell you which ones they are as we go. But when we get to Ira and Sonanil, and those are beautiful cities. You would be, you would be welcome to talk about. Hmm. Remember that the things here are created by the dreams of people over the course of thousands of years. Some of them are fueled by nightmare. Hmm. So. Right. Perhaps the next dreamer who wishes to stay on your beautiful train for a long time will make a travel guide that will simplify matters. I do not want to visit a port city where everything is nightmare. Ah, Dilathleen is not, not really a nightmare, but it can be rough just because... Uh, Sailors. It's a rough place. It's sailors, yes. Uh, hmm. Have everything you need. Uh, Would you entertain that idea, Henry? If uh, if we did, say, write a, our own travel journal, maybe something that might be helpful reading to future visitors? Henri? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're talking to <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to respond. <laughs> yes, um, we are. We're waiting for Henri. Uh, perhaps, if it amuses you. I'm not sure. Most of the people in the dreamlands know about my train by now. Okay. Mm. Mm. Is, it, uh, is it the... Uh... This thing, Nodens, that tells you of waking persons who have something to carry? How it do you is, know? Believe it or not, Monsieur, there is some magic that truly works. Um, it's stronger here than it is in the real world. But it, uh, it took quite a bit of uh, negotiation on my part to set it up so that it does in fact work for the travelers on the Orient Express. I hope that the Orient Express goes on forever. I shall forever have passengers. Uh, I don't know if the Orient Express will ever cease to exist, in which case I'm not sure that my purpose will continue. I shall move on then. 
people could stay here indefinitely, though, theoretically, it sounds like, in the dreamlands. It's true. It's I don't know how I came to be here. I don't know how I deserve to be in the dreamlands. I certainly didn't conceive of any of this before, before I... Was it an accident? Uh, yes, monsieur, yes. I, I don't uh, ask you to dwell, of course. Uh, I wear it like a badge, monsieur, though it is because of hospitality. I don't want it to upset any travelers, such as yourself, aboard the train. In uh, the 1890s, I was involved uh, with a number of people aboard the train, and there was a fire. I uh, rescued a woman and her child from the fire, but in the process, I was severely burned. I uh, lasted about two weeks afterwards, and then I passed away. And when I woke up here, I am still very burned. That is mm. why I wear the mask and the gloves and the... But it's not painful. As I say, I wear it as if it's a badge of honor. Uh, but maybe because I saved their lives, I was given this gift of being here. I don't know. Nobody, God never said anything to me. I haven't met God yet. God, God is, seems to be quite the silent type. But Perhaps. each of you... Each of you is here because you have something. You have something that you need freedom from. And you don't need to be afraid that it's going to change you in some way, except for the better. You won't forget that something happened, but it won't bother you anymore. Hmm. Perhaps it is, Hun uh, Henry, that should there come a time where your train no longer runs here that your friend Vivi can take you to this Gulf of Nodens and you can cast your mask there and move on yourself? Perhaps, perhaps. Ah, well, my friends, if there's anything else that you need, please call me. Uh, as I say, feel free to explore. We'll have dinner uh, uh, later on this evening and we'll have lunch being served, I believe, in a few hours. Mm, thank you. The hospitality is very gracious, Monsieur Henry. And with that, he stands up, he bows, and he goes about his business. And we can end it there, unless you have something else you want to say or do. At some point soon, I wish to speak to Madame Bonneval, but I think it can wait. Okay. Do that next time. Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gassaway, Stuart Lightley, Keith Craig, Josh Harwood, and John Hook, 
with myself as the Keeper of the Secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members. You can set up private games. You can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Riley, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming. Thank you.